Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Hope you had a good weekend. We had here in West Central Illinois a beautiful, rainy weekend. No storms, just a soaking rain, much needed. And uh, today we'll take a look at who got rain over the weekend and who didn't and who may get some yet this week as we'll talk with Mike Pomerino, meteorologist for DTN. We're going to talk a lot of trade today with Darcy Vetter, former U.S. Chief Ag Negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative's Office. Ambassador Vetter will join us to give us her thoughts on uh, what's going on in trade, whether it's uh, with China or with NAFTA. We'll get her thoughts and uh, talk trade issues a little bit later on. Plus, Jeff Cooper, Executive Vice President for the Renewable Fuels Association, joins us. We're going to get his thoughts on president's comments last week makes it sound like we're close to getting e15 sales year-round but is it part of a package that the renewable fuels industry would not be happy with we'll talk about that with jeff cooper a little bit later on but happy to talk now with sarah wyant editor and publisher of agripulse communications sarah thanks for joining us good to talk with you again yeah you're welcome mike it's always a pleasure and we just came back from a windshield tour of the crops in northwest Missouri and uh, eastern Nebraska, South Dakota, and North Dakota. And I can tell you that the soybeans and the corn up by the Canadian border, which seems still really odd for me to be even saying that there's soybeans and corn up that high, but they look wonderful. Northwest Missouri, not so much. It's really dry there. But hopefully these rains that came through over the weekend will have helped. Yeah, I talked with our good friend Gene Millard in the St. Joe, Missouri area and hoping that they got some rain over the weekend. He said a little, three-tenths on one farm and uh, sixty-five hundredths on another, but uh, they're making some tough decisions on selling cows or start feeding some very expensive hay. So we know some Absolutely. some folks are having a real a real struggle this year. Yes, they are, and that that's why passage of this farm bill, even though it's not going to do much to defray the damages that Mother Nature has already inflicted on a lot of farmland uh, certainly would give farmers a lot more certainty in their planning decisions, especially those who are having to look at uh, damaged crops. Well, hopefully we'll get some action in the Senate on the Farm Bill uh, this week. We thought we might learn about the, the conferees uh, last week, but that did not happen. What was the, what was the hang-up there? Well, there's a couple of folks, uh, Senator Deb Fisher out of Nebraska and John Thune from South Dakota, who have been pushing for a separate vote on legislation that would ease the hours of service regulations for agricultural truckers. As you know, there's a lot of different things that come into play in terms of trying to care for livestock when you're moving them over long distances. And so there was a, a delay because of the discussions on that. Uh, but we still do expect this week, Mike, for the conferees to be named on the Senate side. It looks like five Republicans, four Democrats, and for the Senate to advance to go to conference. So the House is off now, right? They're done. So really, yes. Uh, the, no formal talks, I guess, really take up again till September, although I'm sure there'll be some behind-the-scenes things going on. Well, there already has been. The, the four principals, the chairman and the ranking members of the House and Senate Ag Committees, met on Thursday. 
uh, Senator Roberts, who chairs the Senate Ag Committee, and uh, Congressman Conaway, who chairs the House Ag Committee, met with Leader McConnell on the Senate side and uh, Speaker Ryan on the House side to discuss strategy. There's also been quite a bit of work that's been taking place on the staff level. Uh, Senator Roberts said they've already agreed to most of the languages on five different titles. So um, they're about halfway there. Of course, the most contentious uh, discussions will remain focused on nutrition and some other key areas. So I do think that they've got the they're they're, le- they're leaving the toughest for last, which is usually the case. But the House is out until September, and they've been advised that as the Senate has canceled their recess in order to get some more work done, uh, House members have been advised to stay in regular contact, and they might be called back for a conference, but uh, we'll just wait, have to wait and see how all this shapes out. Um, there's also a lot of work, of course, on appropriations that's expected to happen this week, and we've got judicial nomination, nominations and some other things going on in the Senate that are also very important. Yeah, those spending bills, uh, we need to keep an eye on those this week. Absolutely. There's um, going to be an effort to finish work on four fiscal 2019 appropriations bills, including measures to fund the USDA, the Food and Drug Administration, the EPA, and the, and the Interior Department. So most of those have been advanced with a removal of some of the most controversial amendments. But you may have heard, Mike, that last week Senator Flake from Arizona demanded that we have a block on any research for funding for insect-based foods and ingredients. So he doesn't want to see any crickets mixed in with anything Mm -hmm. else that you might be eating, Mike. So um, I'm sure you're going to hear more about that. All right. What are you hearing about uh, the president's aid package that he announced? Well, I had some uh, time to sit down with Ag Commissioner Doug Goring in in, uh, North Dakota when I was up there, and uh, he tells me that about 96% of the farmers and ranchers he visits with are very supportive of everything the president is doing to try to combat unfair trade practices. And I hear that from almost every farmer I've talked to, that they want to see something done because they're tired of being taken advantage of. But as you know, Mike, the $12 billion is not going to go very far. It only covers a handful of commodities. and doesn't go as far as uh, a lot of the other uh, smaller manufacturers that are being harmed by this and some of the larger ones. Chamber of Commerce is having a big uh, uh, press conference as we speak talking about all the other damages that are being done as a result of these tariffs. So I think people are appreciative of the $12 billion. But they'd really like to see resolution of the trade disputes and to have exports continue in a fair manner. Yeah, boy, a big difference of opinion. The president really, he keeps talking about how much he likes tariffs as a tool to get things done, and farmers uh, uh, continue to oppose them. Absolutely. I'm sure you'll hear a lot more from Darcy Vetter on that. So they, uh, but in the in the short term, what I'm hearing from people is let's, give it a chance and see how it works out. Uh, But there's an increased urgency not only to get a deal done. I understand that Secretary Perdue and uh, Mr. Lighthizer, the trade ambassador, are now saying they might have NAFTA yet this fall. 
Uh, I'm thinking they may have Mexico's part of NAFTA signed, maybe not Canada by this fall. But uh, there's increasing optimism some trade deal might get done. And, and certainly what the president announced with the EU is also welcome, but most of that was going to happen in the marketplace anyway. So okay. it's not like Europe is going to you know, combine their governments and start buying soybeans. The market was moving that way on its own. Yeah, I think that deal, while certainly holding some positive aspects, uh, perhaps uh, – you know, not what some people kind of think it is or expect it to be just based on the headline itself. So we'll talk more about that with Darcy Better a little bit later on. Always good to talk with you, Sarah. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Mike. Take care. Editor, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications, Sarah Wyatt. All right, we talk weather next with DTN meteorologist Mike Palmerino. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk weather. DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino is with us. And, Mike, uh, I'm in a fortunate spot here in west central Illinois. We've had a nice, steady, off, well, off and on anyway, rain over the weekend and continuing into today. No storms, no real wind, anywhere from an inch and a half to two inches, some places a little bit more. And it is soaked right in. We're very fortunate here. Yeah, you are. And, um, you know, really, it's in a way, Mike, it's kind of representative of the Corn Belt overall. Uh, the, the only state that continues to really hurt here is Missouri. Uh, they had a good opportunity for rain over the weekend, and they got it back to the west of them in, in Kansas and Oklahoma. But uh, they did not get it. But that's really the only area left that is reporting any significant dryness in the Midwest. Yeah, how what what's happening here where all this rain's going around Missouri? You know, sometimes drought just works that way. Um, it it tends to focus on an area. I can't say that there's any real particular reason for this, especially considering the fact they had so much rain over the weekend in Kansas and Oklahoma. Uh, generally, you would think if they were getting it there that it would come across Missouri, but. Sometimes drought just forms in pockets, and uh, and I think at this point that's that's about all you can say. There is no you know great reason for this. It just uh, happens to be uh, bad luck on their part uh, this summer. Well, what's in the forecast this week? Well, it looks like a good week coming up. Uh, you know, not a lot of heat. We're going to keep the hot weather pretty much oscillating between California and the southwestern plains, and. That puts the Midwest on a uh, weather pattern that will be kind of variable, starting out cool, warming up a little bit, then cooling off again behind a uh, cold front um, that should come through over the weekend. Uh, It looks nearly ideal, Mike. I I just don't see soil moisture being depleted. I don't see temperatures getting hot enough to create any significant stress. So we're just going to roll into August here under uh, nearly ideal conditions in most major uh, Midwest corn and bean areas. Yeah, for those of us in these areas that are cooler than normal this time of year, it's hard to believe we're about to turn the calendar to August. just doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it sure doesn't. You know, it's been a welcome respite, especially after some hot weather uh, earlier in the month. Uh, It did get rather warm, this ridge of high pressure that's burning up California now actually made it as far east as Nebraska uh, back a couple of weeks ago and produced some uh, fairly hot weather. But yeah, it's backed off and it looks like it's going to stay off to the west and and the cool air is going to continue to make uh, uh, inroads at times. What about though once we get into August? Are we going to see things start heating back up? I am not willing to go in that direction to any great degree. I don't think you'll stay as cool as you are right now, but, uh, you know, I I could see it getting a little bit above normal during the first part of the month and then potentially backing off again uh, during the latter part of the month. So, 
you know, in, in terms of it, in terms of some dramatic change in this weather pattern happening that's just going to flip a switch and, and the entire Midwest is going to go hot and dry, that is a long shot at this point. I, I think that some variation either side of normal on both temperatures and, and precipitation is, uh, is the way to go. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Mike Palmerino. Mike, I know there are some real weather concerns around the world and some really hot weather in places and people talking about the weather patterns and El Ninos and things like that. Kind of give us a, a global perspective on things. Well, yeah, the, the area clearly of note and every, the area everyone's been talking about has been uh, Europe. You know, surprisingly, you don't really think of Europe as being drought prone, but there's been a, a very persistent ridge of high pressure over uh, Scandinavia, and that has had a major impact on the weather in northern Europe. And, uh, you know, clearly as the harvest numbers come in now on the winter wheat crop there, they are seeing numbers that are much reduced from what they were expecting to see. So that's gotten a lot of play, and uh, it's, it continues to occur. They, the temperatures backed off a little bit on the weekend, and they did have a few light to moderate showers, but it looks like it could turn hotter and drier again here in the next seven days, and now the corn crop is vulnerable there in France. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty amazing pattern, an area you just don't usually think of as having, you know, significant uh, summertime issues. Okay, so if we're on El Nino watch, where are we with that? Uh, we're on the border. Uh, sea surface temperatures right now are running about seven-tenths of a degree above normal. You know, generally the, the overall feeling is once you get to about eight-tenths to one degree Celsius above normal, uh, you're in an El Nino. And, uh, you know, we're close. I, I think clearly if we don't get there uh, during the month of August, we'll clearly be there by September. Um, you know, no big implications at this point for the U.S. It, you know, if we do go into El Nino in the fall, it, uh, it shouldn't mean all that much uh, in terms of, you know, any, any dramatic negative implications to Midwest weather. All right, but if we do go into El Nino, what does it, what historically would it mean for that next year? What might we be looking at for weather pattern in 2019? Oh, I, I don't even think I'd want to go there, Mike. Um, you know, it's just I, I I just don't think I can speculate that far out. We don't know how long, how strong the El Nino is going to be when it occurs, how long it will persist. Um, that's just beyond my uh, area of comprehension. El Ninos are a little uh, kind of unpredictable, right? I mean, we we have some parameters, but uh, not not hard and fast rules in. Well, no, there never is. This is weather, you know, and, and there are no hard and fast rules. They generally tend to follow certain parameters, like, you know, you can usually bet that if there's an El Nino that there's going to be some dryness in northeastern Australia, which is showing up now, and that is also adding to some concerns about wheat because uh, that wheat crop is, is going to be entering the spring season when they do need more moisture, so that's clearly an issue there. El Ninos tend to be uh, pretty favorable weather-wise in South America. So if you wanted to speculate, you know, in the next growing season, looking down in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, I would look at Brazil and Argentina, uh, which are probably going to have uh, pretty good growing seasons uh, as we head into uh, 
October, November. Mike, you've talked about not seeing a real uh, warm-up or a big, uh, a big blast of heat even in August. Uh, we know the crops uh, in many places running well ahead of uh, normal uh, in their in their maturity rate. Uh, so we kind of have a race on. Are we headed towards any kind of an early frost concern, or, or what are you thinking for this fall? I don't think so. You know, I think you hit the nail right on the head with the uh, rapid advancement of the crop. Um, even if there was an early freeze by, you know, a week or 10 days or so, it would unlikely have much of an impact on uh, on crops. So I, I think, you know, believe it or not, we're not even into August yet, and I think you can rule out uh, any real concerns about uh, ending the growing season early this year. Been an unusual year, hasn't it? I mean, we've talked about the extremes within a relatively uh, small area with drought in, in Missouri, uh, if the real wet conditions they had like up in Minnesota, some very good conditions in Illinois, all pretty close together, but extremes. Now the cooler weather. It's just been a different kind of year. Well, yeah, you know, every year is a little different. Um, you know, it tends to be a mixed bag here or there, but, you know, when you when it all's shaking out here, Mike, um, you know, it's, it's going to be for the vast majority of the Corn Belt, it's going to be another good year, six years in a row. Yeah, I wasn't complaining. I was just saying it seemed a little a little different, except, you know, just a feel for the folks in Missouri and some of those really, really dry areas. I've got to mention what's going on in California. Are they going to get any relief in their battle with the wildfires? Boy, it sure doesn't look that way. Um, there's just no sign of that ridging backing down. This is, uh, you know, even for them, this is an incredibly long period of heat with 100-degree-plus temperatures and you know, I wouldn't be willing to change that at this point, looking out, you know, at least another week to 10 days. All right, Mike, thanks a lot. Appreciate you being with us again this week. Thank you. You're welcome. DTM meteorologist Mike Palmerino. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk trade. A lot going on. Sounds like maybe some progress being made on NAFTA. But are we going to go with Mexico first or then then come back and try to get Canada in? Or is Mexico and Canada going to insist we stay with the trilateral trilateral approach? And what about the, the ongoing tensions with China? We're going to talk with Darcy Vetter, former U.S. chief ag negotiator for the trade representative's office, get her perspective on what's going on with trade and also her thoughts on this U.S.-EU deal. Is it all that it's cracked up to be or made out to be, or was some of this uh, already going to happen anyway? We'll get her thoughts on that. Then also a little bit later on, the executive vice president of the Renewable Fuels Association, Jeff Cooper, will join us as we'll talk about possibly E15 sales year-round. But at what cost? We'll talk about that later as well. Stay with us. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, Immigration Reform, Reducing Regulations, Trade, New Technology, as well as Infrastructure and Healthcare. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win. 
and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A positive tone to the grain and oil seed sector as we begin the trading week with soybean futures trending five to seven cents higher, five and a fraction better in corn. The wheat's taken off once again with Minneapolis spring wheat 12 to 14 cents higher, 17 higher Kansas City, 19 better in Chicago wheat. A top Trump administration official saying yesterday the U.S. will immediately start negotiating with the EU to forge trade agreements on farm and energy products. Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economic advisor, said he'd be at the table in the negotiations. Those negotiations will be led by U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer. Meanwhile, scouts who toured the northern plains last week finding evidence of worse-than-expected spring wheat quality. The Wheat Quality Council's hard red spring and Durham wheat tour ended with an estimated average spring wheat yield of 41.1 bushels per acre. Last year, the tour found 38.4 in a drought-stricken crop. Scouts saying many fields hadn't quite recovered from last year's drought conditions as of yet. On the charts, new crop November soybeans, the bulls still see a major challenge at the 897 to 901 and a quarter zone. For December corn, a bullish breakout and close above 380 and a half could open the door to a potential target of 389 and three quarters. Livestock at the Merck, we started with rally in cattle futures before cooling off. Live cattle and feeder cattle steady to 35 cents lower. Light to moderate cash cattle business seen late on Friday, 112 live, 176 dressed. Lean hog futures rallying 50 to 90 cents higher early on this Monday. Outside markets, the Dow up 13 points, crude oil up $1.47 a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Obviously a lot going on with trade. So joining us now to get give us some real interesting perspective is former U.S. Chief Ag Negotiator for the Trade Representative, Darcy Vetter, now General Manager, Public Affairs, Vice Chair, Agriculture, Food, and Trade for Edelman. Darcy, good to talk with you again. Thanks for being back with us. Well, good morning, Mike. It's my pleasure to be here. 
Okay, let's start with the U.S. and the EU. A lot of excitement. Sounds like, wow, they're going to buy a lot more soybeans. Uh, the door's really going to open. Uh, take us behind the headlines here. Is this all that it's made out to be, or is this just a, a, a sign of potential things that could happen, or is it a done deal? How, how do you view what do we know right now about uh, the U.S. and EU deal? Well, first of all, I will say that it's a good thing that the U.S. and the EU sat down and talked about reducing the temperature a little bit in the the trade relationship between uh, the countries. But I think the outcome of those talks has turned into a little bit of he said, she said. Um, And is agriculture included? Is it not? Uh, What is the process that's going forward? I think there's an agreement to talk but the scope of those talks and uh, what will be included in them uh, seems a little bit unclear this morning. Uh, I will say from my perspective, when I saw the first statement coming out of the uh, USEU discussions that referred to you know, moving forward with negotiations on industrial products, that really struck me because typically in trade, when we talk about, we talk about agriculture, and then we talk about industrial goods as sort of the two categories of products. So, uh, you know, my initial thought was we didn't get an agreement to talk about agriculture. Of course, Secretary Mnuchin and others say agriculture was very much on the table, uh, have been stressing this agreement for uh, one-time purchases of soybeans, but what actually will be included in those negotiations, I think, is still uh, a subject of debate right now. Yeah, a little confusing. I mean, everyone got excited because the announce, the original announcement really sounded like, hey, we've struck a deal. We've signed a deal. They're going to buy a lot more soybeans. And now all of a sudden we hear them, the headlines are, well, now they're going to start talking about these things. So that two different stories there. Uh, yes, absolutely. And I think we should expect the EU to buy more soybeans, uh, in part because market forces are driving them that way. Uh, the tariffs in China on U.S. soybeans have turned China's purchasers to Brazil, and so we would expect the EU to go toward the United States for their purchases, knowing that Brazilian beans are now trading at a premium. Uh, you know, the morning that the announcement came out about the U.S.-EU deal, uh, there were a couple of articles I saw uh, in the paper about the fact that we should expect more soybean sales to the EU, that supply chains are shifting globally in response to these tariffs. Now, whether there was any sort of quantitative promise or a time period uh, during which the EU would would purchase those beans, I think that remains to be seen. But I do think farmers should expect to see more of their beans heading over to Europe. Um, The rest of those talks and and whether agriculture is included in them uh, and whether it's for long-term discussions about trying to reduce tariffs or just purchasers, I think that's where the uncertainty is still out there. Well, hopefully it's going to work out, but it, it makes me nervous when I think back to wasn't that long ago the announcement was China's going to be buying lots and lots more of our products, and the next thing we know we're in a trade war with them. So hopefully that won't happen with the EU, but what's your assessment of where we're at with China? Well, with China, unfortunately, um, you know, again, I, I do think it's good that we're talking to the EU. I do think that there's a promise Uh, There does seem to be a promise on the table that what the countries want to do is talk before further trade barriers are ratcheted up. 
But the tone toward China, I think, is just the opposite of that. And it concerns me that we continue to um, announce new lists of possible tariffs to be implemented. You know, we started with 50 billion. We have 34 billion enacted now, which China's retaliating against 16 more that are likely to come into play uh, in the next couple of weeks. And China, of course, has its matching list of $16 billion of tariffs on U.S. products. And now we have this list of $200 billion uh, that could be subject to 10% tariffs um, of of imports uh, from China that could be subject to those tariffs. But what we don't have is any schedule or any for negotiation with China to sort of turn off this tit-for-tat behavior. And that, to me, is, is the real concern. Uh, I think we need to be much clearer with China to say um, we're in a, a difficult situation now, but here's what you need to do to turn that off or to turn it around. Um, the administration says they've created this leverage with China, but it's not clear what behavior they're trying to leverage them toward. And so, uh, you know, my real concern is that we're on a very different trajectory with China than we seem to be on with the EU. And we're hearing administration officials say this could take years to work through. We're talking with Darcy Vetter, former U.S. Chief uh, Ag Negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative. Darcy, what would it be like if you're at the negotiating table and you're working on these deals? Uh, Meanwhile, your boss, the president, keeps saying, Hey, tariffs are great. Tariffs are the way to get things done. Uh, does that make your job more difficult as a negotiator or, not, or make it easier? Well, certainly I think that it does. Um, you know, obviously if you're negotiating, hopefully you're trying to get to a place that's uh, a win for, for both sides and uh, an opportunity to de-escalate those tensions. Um, any sort of indication that tariffs might be the goal in and of themselves uh, might make things a, a little bit harder if you're trying to um, trying to get your trading partner to go toward a, a different path. Uh, so again, when it does come to to China, I think very clear expectations about what our priorities are for their behavior uh, is a, a sort of a prerequisite for getting them uh, back on track and getting the kind of, of policy changes we want to see from them. Uh, and, you know, I think there's there's broad sympathy that some of China's trade behavior uh, has not been fair, and we would like to change it, but I think we have to give them some clear direction about what changes are most important to us. Well, you've worked on a lot of trade deals. How do you feel when President Trump continues to publicly say how bad our existing deals are for for our country, including agriculture, and even though many in agriculture have felt pretty good about our trade deals. Yeah, well, obviously, um, the position that I took and that um, the previous administration took toward trade was different than what we see currently. But, you know, elections have consequences. And that's something that, you know, if you're in policy, you know happens and, and you have to accept. Uh, What I will say is encouraging is the extent to which farmers are talking about how trade affects their everyday decisions. Uh, I don't think that it's any sort of coincidence that when other countries retaliate against U.S. products, they start with food and agriculture. Uh, And they do that in part because those ag products, if you look at pork, if you look at soybeans, uh, dairy, really are produced in the heart of Trump country, 
And if you look at things like bourbon and cranberries that are uh, keep popping up on this retaliation list, it's because they're from Kentucky and Wisconsin, where our congressional leadership lives. So they're trying to get the attention of the people who have the attention of the president. And, you know, it's kind of always been that way in agriculture because it's produced in, you know, every state of the union. Um, and we export a, a lot of what we grow. So farmers, I think, are saying, hey, wait a second. Trade is really important to us. Trade really affects the decisions I can make on my farm about what I grow and how I feed my family and the people I can employ. And I think it's an there's an opportunity there for agriculture to say we need long-term stability, we need long-term investment in opening new markets, and these tariffs really uh, change the game for us and for the economies of the places that we live. And finally, what you see happening now with NAFTA? Are we going to have a deal just with Mexico and then try to get Canada, or how do you see this playing out now? Well, I am encouraged by the fact that ministers will be in Washington later this week uh, talking, at least Mexico and, and the U.S., and hopefully we'll add in Canada. I think our, our neighbors uh, to the north and south have been pretty clear that NAFTA, in their view, is a trilateral deal. If working out uh, an arrangement with Mexico and then bringing Canada into the fold is the best way to proceed or, or makes it more likely that we get a deal, I think that's helpful. Um, you know, trying to get Mexico to agree to something not acceptable to Canada, I think, would just forestall things. But um, these are complicated talks, and so whatever strategy brings us to a trilateral resolution most quickly uh, is certainly one to try. Uh, as far as agriculture is concerned, I think having one less piece of uncertainty when our China markets are uncertain and the relationship with the EU is uncertain um, putting a little certainty back in uh, our top trading partners of Canada and Mexico and, and putting that relationship on, on stronger footing, I think, would certainly be a help for U.S. agriculture. So I hope those predictions of a near-term NAFTA agreement are accurate. Former U.S. Chief Ag Negotiator and now General Manager, Public Affairs, Vice Chair Agriculture, Food and Trade for Edelman, Darcy Vetter. Always good to talk with you, Darcy. Thank you very much. Likewise, Mike. You have a great day. Okay, we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Yeah, so a team of Mexican technical negotiators supposedly going to be arriving in Washington this week to begin work with uh, the U.S. on um, some of the key issues uh, for NAFTA. And we will see what gets done there. Supposedly the U.S. and Mexico in the final stages of reaching a deal on the automotive rules of origin section of NAFTA. That has been a sticking point for the course of these negotiations. Coming up next, we're going to talk with the Executive Vice President of the Renewable Fuels Association, Jeff Cooper. The President makes it sound like we're close to getting E15 sales year-round, but is it part of a package that the renewable fuels industry would not like? We'll talk about that next with Jeff Cooper with RFA on Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number. 
alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor or SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin. UVB rays burn. And both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. 
bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So last week the president goes to Iowa and pretty much says that E15 year-round sales are close to happening. But before that, a few days before that, the interim administrator at EPA, Andrew Wheeler, indicated that E15 year-round sales will be part of a package that would include uh, export RINs, RINs for export credits, and that's something the renewable fuels industry does not want. So let's uh, sort this out. Jeff Cooper, Executive Vice President of the Renewable Fuels Association, joins us. Jeff, good to talk with you. What are you hearing? What do you make of uh, uh, the two comments we've heard, one from the president, one from the EPA administrator? Well, Mike, thanks for having me on. We, we are trying to reconcile those two statements and, and figure out exactly what's going on. As, as you know, the E15 market is essentially shut down right now uh, because of the, the RVP barrier and, and EPA regulations that say we can't sell E15 in, the, in most of the country during the summer months. Uh, so we continue to push very hard on uh, fixing that, that problem and resolving that barrier uh, as you said, last Thursday in Iowa, President Trump said we're very close to allowing year-round sales of E15. Uh, we were very encouraged by that. We were excited to hear that. Uh, but just the day before, um, we had heard Acting Administrator Wheeler say uh, we're not necessarily ready to act on, on RVP relief uh, by itself, and it would have to be part of a package. And that sounded very reminiscent of where this debate has been uh, for the past six months, and and you know the notion of of needing some RFS and, and ethanol policy that would include something for refiners and something for us, um, and, and we just that part's very frustrating. And so we're trying to uh, square those two statements and figure out really what is going on at the White House and, and EPA and and what the priority is. Um, you know, and really, Mike, our position has been there's no need for a deal. The refiners have gotten exactly what they wanted uh, when these discussions started last fall. Uh, they wanted low REN prices. And, and at that time, you know, around November last year, we had RENs at close to a dollar, 95 cents, 90 cents in that range uh, around Thanksgiving time. Uh, today we have RENs at 19 cents. Uh, so we're at a five-year low for REN prices. That's what the refiners wanted. That's what they got as a result of these small refiner exemptions that uh, former Administrator Pruitt was handing out. Uh, so they got their part of the deal. Uh, when do we get ours? And, and that's kind of the, the position we're taking and the conversations we're having with the administration. 
did I miss something or when I'm reading uh, Wheeler's comments it sounds like he's going to follow pretty much the path that the uh, EPA was on going down under Pruitt now maybe a little bit more transparent he may be a little more uh, uh, easier to talk to but it didn't sound like there were going to be big changes uh, did I did I read that right or did you see something else in there well I mean that, that is uh, sort of some of the red flags that that the comments from uh, Mr. Wheeler raised for us as well last week. Um, if you remember, you know a lot of this talk about cutting a deal started with Senator Cruz and Senator Toomey, um, you know, going to President Trump and 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 arguing that the RFS needs reformed and that refiners are suffering. Uh, and part of that discussion was either a cap on rent prices or this this export rent notion. Uh, and that would be what refiners get. And then uh, on our side, we'd be getting RVP parity for, for E15 and higher blends. Um, so that was kind of the, the elements of a deal that were being discussed as far back as last fall and, and throughout the spring of this year. Um, that deal, uh, to our knowledge, had been put on ice and, and effectively uh, killed in June when President Trump uh, turned to Secretary Purdue and asked, you know, what are farmers going to think of this supposed deal? And, and Secretary Purdue told him in no uncertain terms, uh, they're not going to like it. Um, this is bad for agriculture. And so it was our uh, assumption that, that this deal had been abandoned at this at that point. But uh, as you say, it sounds like uh, it's coming back out of the freezer, and that's that's something we're, we're very concerned about. Now, he did make comments, Wheeler made comments about, whatever numbers they come out with for the RVO levels uh, next time on the uh, RFS, that he wants those to be solid numbers. Does that indicate not, you know, that uh, they're going to somehow uh, take care of or make up for lost gallons due to waivers? Well, again, we're, we're kind of getting conflicting signals on that as well. Um, we, we did read the comments where, where Mr. Wheeler said he, he, he wants the volumes to be um, you know, solid and firm and, and wants the market to be able to have confidence that that's going to be the requirement. But then on the other hand, um, he said, we're not really considering changes to the way we administer the small refiner exemption process. Um, we, we aren't uh, really going to be changing the small refiner uh, process in the context of the 2019 RFS uh, rule, which is in the proposal stage right now. Um, so we're kind of left scratching our heads about, well, how are you going to have $15 billion be a firm number if you're not going to put a stop uh, to this, uh, this craziness that we've seen with small refiner exemptions? Uh, we, we really don't have any confidence as an industry that 15 billion gallons means 15 billion gallons uh, because, you know, a billion gallons or more has been waved away uh, in the last two years, and, and we don't see any reason to believe that's going to change. More mixed signals, it seems, uh, from uh, this administration on uh, the RFS. So we'll see how it all sorts out. Jeff, congratulations on uh, the announcement that uh, as Bob Deneen in October becomes uh, a special advisor, a strategic advisor for RFA, you'll be the next president and CEO. Congratulations. Well-deserved. Well, thanks very much, Mike. I'm, I'm very excited about the opportunity and and truly honored. I, I love this industry. I love the people that I, that I work for. Uh, and it's just so easy to be passionate about, about this industry and about these people. And, and 
you know, certainly we have our share of skirmishes and, and fistfights on a daily basis, but I think, you know, long-term we see a just a really bright future for the ethanol industry. Well, I look forward to continuing working with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Jeff Cooper, Executive Vice President of the Renewable Fuels Association. Well, more on these issues coming up tomorrow, plus a crop update for the Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa. That's coming up uh, a month away now. So we'll get an update coming up tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.